Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 109 for Monday, October 5th, 2020. My name is Johnny, and joining me as always is the Warden, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello, hello, hello. And it is the first of the month. Uh, that means that we give a big shout out and thank you to our patrons. Uh, if you don't know, the Spawn Chunks is a listener-supported podcast, which means that people that support the show financially on Patreon are directly keeping the show going. Uh, at, even at the base level, which is $1 per show or $4 per month, uh, patrons get access to the member-only Discord chat, quarterly hangouts, live shows, and the render distance, the pre-show conversation uh, that Johnny and I have every week. So you get an extra like half an hour, I think, at least, of podcast if you are a member. And uh, speaking of, we were just talking about uh, how tired we are <laughs> from the weekend and oh, all yes. the news that we've had to uh, break down. Uh, also talked a little bit about Dungeons & Dragons, Johnny's first experience as a player instead of a D, uh, dungeon master. Uh, and we spoke a little bit about what I've been doing and what Johnny has been doing in Minecraft. Normally we do that on the show, but there's just so much to go through this week, we decided to move it into the render distance. Uh, but we'll be back to regular, I think, next week. Uh, speaking of perks from the Patreon, we have the... The 2020 Q3 quarterly hangout coming up this Saturday, October 10th at 12 p.m. Eastern time. That's UTC minus four hours. That'll be live in the section of the Discord for quarterly hangouts, uh, available live to all patrons and available on demand afterwards if you can't attend live to patrons via the Patreon page and, of course, the Patreon RSS feed. You can become a member again at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. And again, thank you so much for all the people that support the show. It is just fantastic. Absolutely. I want to echo what Joel just said. Thank you so much for the support. We've been doing this show for over two years at this point. It is wild to think that we started doing this when the update aquatic came out. Uh, but it's been a fantastic couple of years. And by the looks of things, Minecraft is alive and well. So the Spawn Chunks podcast is going to be a, a big thing for us for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future, really. And it, it means a lot to be able to do this show every Monday with your support. So thank you. And one of the things that it allows us to do is is fit in these extras uh, because of the support that you guys have uh, given us. And we covered the Minecraft live announcement this weekend. The VOD is on the Spawn Chunks YouTube channel. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, but of course, you can also just go straight over to YouTube and look for the Spawn Chunks and you'll find it. Uh, we had a pre-show discussion uh, with our live chat there about what we were expecting. We had opportunities to chime in throughout the presentation. And then we wrapped up with another half an hour or so of first impressions. You'll get some of that here today, but we've had more time to think uh, and kind of flush out uh, our thoughts for today's episode. But at, at the time, it was just kind of like the initial kind of like shock and awe uh, and what we thought uh, on the weekend. So check that out over on Spawn Chunks on youtube yes if you want to see the hearts that my eyes form into when i glimpse the warden for the first time then yeah definitely check that out it was so much fun covering the show live and i missed out on the opportunity to do that last year because you know i was in spain having a lovely time on my anniversary kind of holiday with my wife but uh it's been super great to cover everything again to see everybody's reactions in the live chat and boy what an announcement it was. We're going to get into the news, and the news is basically going to be the entire discussion for this show, where normally we split things up. We do have a couple of emails that we'll get to a little bit later on, because there's some really valuable feedback coming in about previous discussion topics and also about the Minecraft Live 2020 show. But I think it's probably going to be dominant in this show. Is just going to be 
talking about the features of 1.17, the caves and cliffs update. Yes, the caves update and, of course, a little cliffs on the site. And cliffs does seem to refer to the mountain biomes that we voted for at last year's uh, Minecraft Live event. So we're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means. But let's unpack this in in a break from our usual format with news we're not going to just go through the bullet points and then give our discussion topics at the end it feels like we'd be jumping around a lot with that so i think what we're going to do is unpack this bullet point by bullet point and give our thoughts sort of right away as we go through the news here so let's start off with new biomes first of all we've got lush caves lush caves are found below the roots of azalea trees the walls and floor are covered with moss blocks moss carpet vines and other plants including a vine which produces glowberries, a spore blossom flower which creates particles in a wide radius around it, and drip leaf plants which can be used as platforms but wilt if you stand on them for too long. And that short paragraph is almost an update in itself, Joel, right? I mean, we have uh, yeah. a whole new biome to look at here. It is covered with flora and a fauna, which we will get to a little bit later on. But what are your first thoughts about the lush cave biome? I think the lush cave actually stick in my head as what I immediately think of and the imagery that comes to mind whenever I reflect on the weekend. Yes. Like I know there's a lot of other stuff and I, I remember that stuff too, but the lush caves, I think really kind of smacked all the Minecraft players in the face and went, Oh, okay. So yes. this is, this is really happening. Um, and I think part of it is because of my recent uh, modded playthrough, uh, there were cave biomes and I really enjoyed that exploration of it. And mm -hmm. The idea, and especially the little tidbit that uh, Agnes relayed during the live stream, which was that the cave biomes are not related to the cave update structures. So they showed squishy caves, they showed narrow caves, they showed giant caves, and then they showed the lush um, cave biome. And she said that it's not restricted to just what you're seeing in the screenshots. Uh, the lush biome cave could be in any of the other caves. So it really kind of opens up the um what sort of looking for like the possibility of combinations yeah right? diversity in there you're go you're gonna yeah. have like a giant cavernous space that can also maybe even be partly lush cave and partly something else so there'd be right. a transition between the two biomes and one section is covered with moss and you know could throw in some mossy cobblestone coming up from the floor and vines hanging from the ceiling and you know lots of life and stuff and then it could be in contrast with some other type of cave generation that happens on the other side and i think that's really promising not only that but the fact that a they are signposted on the surface by these azalea trees and b from what it seems like they aren't going to correspond to specific surface biomes so you're going to be able to find a lush cave underground in a variety of places it might be possible to find lush caves underneath deserts where you might not expect to find them but this sudden oasis of stuff under the surface is going to be really exciting and you know you might find more cavernous stuff underneath mountains but it's not always going to be a one-to-one -one translation it's not going to just be underneath plains biomes as far as we know right now and it's important to remember i should always preface any discussion of these features by saying that these are all still work in progress Aspects of them may change. We may learn more about them as we go on that was intended from the start but not announced at Minecraft Live. So it'll be interesting to see how some of this stuff develops and where these features end up by the time we get to look back on them in about nine months' time, apparently. I, I think that's something that I'm, I'm struggling with from the announcement, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but they announced so much stuff 
that in order to get through it all, they told us very little sure. about each and every thing. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, like, so they, they say, oh, here's the Lush Caves and there's glowberries and there's moss and there's um, particle flowers and then they're just moving on to the next thing. And you're just like, but, but wait, <laughs> what are glowberries? You yes. know, like, there's just all these questions that, of course, everybody has. Um, and I think those are the things that kind of stand out to me. The glowberry uh, as a potential new light source who knows what it could be and what it could be used for um but it sounds fun yeah uh and uh the uh, questions i have about glowberries is once you take them off of those vines can you then place them elsewhere can you put them back on the vines once you've mm, removed mm -hmm. them and how do you regrow them do you end up glowing if you eat them was i think a question you had during the live stream <laughs> that was pretty yeah. funny but yeah if, if they gave you a very short glowing effect like the the outline that we have in the game already that'd be pretty fun um, yeah, I agree. I, I think also too, like having a light source that you can grow renewable is interesting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, o always great to have renewable sources of that. And and there are other light sources that were kind of teased a little bit in the rest of the presentation. Um, let's move on from the lush caves in a second or two. But I, I first of all want to say the moss carpet and stuff is going to be great for texturing yeah. grassy areas, grass paths. We're going to be able to hide light sources under there without it looking like green carpet. I think that seems like a good addition I to think me. that seems like a good idea too. The issue that I have or the question that I have is that is moss and moss, the flat moss layer, the same color always or does it change with biomes? Because otherwise it's going to be complicated with all the different grass colors. Like you're not going to be able to use moss in a desert or in a um, savanna to hide lights because it's going to stand out as a bright green moss block you know yeah. what i mean like if it changes if the if the cave even if the lush cave in general changes its green hue to match whatever biome it's in that would be really cool yeah and and even then you also have the option of it not changing color at all and then you can make a desert oasis that is incredibly lush and green where otherwise that too biome specific yeah. colors would turn grass brown and it wouldn't look as vibrant you know so right. there, there are definitely going to be a few interesting decisions for mojang to make if they haven't made them already about how some of these things are going to change I also like the 3D sapling that they seem to have gone with for the azalea trees. You get a glimpse of those here and there in screenshots oh, of the lush caves. I didn't see that. And they, they kind of have like a little canopy built over them. So instead of being a, a cross-shaped sprite in the same way that some mm -hmm. of the existing saplings are, they seem to actually have like more of a block shape over the top of them. And I wonder if that's a trend we're going to see for tree saplings going forward or if that's just like a dwarf azalea bush that we find in these caves that's separate from... The tree sapling or maybe grows into the tree sapling later i think they did a pretty good job of kind of like taking the what azalea trees look like and they do look more like bushes than trees in real life um it, and making it into like a minecraft tree so it still has the flowers on the leaves and and a lot of potential there for if you can silk touch those for people that like to decorate gardens and things like that um i'm hoping we get a new wood type with the azalea tree um in in real life azaleas are very light wood so that would be cool uh, I think in, in terms of a, a light neutral wood type uh, in that area. And um, who knows, we might see like hints like this from the, um, the saplings. Uh, maybe that spills over into updates to models for the other saplings of the other trees. Yeah, it could well be. It could well be. It'd be interesting to see that uh considering that the, the the saplings that we already have are kind of like legacy designs at this point, they've been retextured, but they are largely speaking just kind of like, 
you know sprites almost they're, they're they're fairly flat whereas i feel like something like this maybe prompts players to maybe if you put them in a pot and treat it more like a bonsai then that's another Ooh, experience fun. you can have yeah i feel like that that kind of adds a little bit to interior design as well as exterior for growing them so kind of fun um one last thing we should touch on i think because they they sort of treated these as a separate feature but i think they are going to be found in lush caves are these drip leaf plants which are basically parkour plants is how i've been thinking of them they have mm. these flat pads almost like lily pads but they're capable of growing pretty high from what we've seen that uh effectively wilt as you stand on them for super long so encouraging you to jump to whatever the next obstacle is otherwise you fall through them and right now there's a i assume placeholder sound effect that sounds like a slime jumping uh whenever you stand on them and they start to wilt and there are three stages where one there's a flat platform you stand on it for a little bit and it starts to warn you yeah you're gonna fall off of this in a second and then the whole pad tilts down you fall through and then it grows back it kind of like straightens itself back out so these are effectively timed platforms in an organic sense that you can use to traverse an area and it will certainly make for some interesting parkour design when normally you've had to suspend blocks in the air which doesn't look physically as like you know realistic as having these plants that you can leap through in a, a jungle like setting to get to your destination seems like a, a um, fun addition for for uh parkour course designers uh functionality yeah i think i think it's a really neat idea especially because um some people in our live chat are pointing out that it could be used for like mob traps as well yes um i the only thing that i found a little bit strange about it was that it didn't seem to match all the other art assets from the lush cave it felt very sparse uh -huh. and very um like pixel plane one dimension whereas the, the hanging vines with the glow berries on them felt very dense uh much like we've seen with um warped uh warped vines and weeping vines you know and so i'm, I'm wondering how much it, like or if they're gonna there's gonna be some some development you know with the the leaves i kind of think it would be more fun if if instead of like ticking down in like 30 to 45 degree increments i think it'd be more fun if it like shook and then dropped a player like an aggressive trapdoor just kind of like mm. whoosh you know i think it could be could be more dramatic i guess yeah uh, in in this playthrough but the concept in general and the um the addition of it is just like didn't see that coming okay <laughs> you know? yes absolutely the potential is still there for refinement of some of this stuff definitely yeah uh, yeah, yeah. let's move on from the lush caves at last to talk about dripstone caves which are i think a little bit less feature rich but still very much a, a an impactful screenshot at least of a cave full of stalagmites and stalactites which can break away and fall they're also dangerous to fall onto as we saw by one of them uh, killing a zombie that fell onto it they can also drip water into a cauldron until it is full uh, in the screenshots that were shown in the show, we also saw a new stone block that was a similar color to the stalagmites, a kind of orangey-pink, a very muted uh, variant of stone. Uh, this was not mentioned or named at all in the show, so it is kind of open to speculation whether that was just a placeholder or if that's actually going to be a new type of stone that we will find in these dripstone caves. But I really think these screenshots look really dramatic. Yeah, it looks very different to what we're used to with minecraft and i mean i think your reaction on stream was pretty pretty poignant it's like yeah it comes to a point 
Yeah. It's just like most, <laughs> most things don't. Certainly in, um, in a, a break of style from the, yeah. the normally blocky appearance we get of Minecraft. And these stalagmites and stalactites are sprite-like in the sense that, yes, they are like sugarcane, a kind of flat cross-shaped plane of... Uh, of, of materials so it's not like a full block it's not like a block model that rises up from the ground and there may be i don't know rendering uh issues with having them be kind of more solid looking i suppose or it may just be uh kind of indicative of how the player is supposed to interact with them we saw them break apart almost like a sugarcane would where if you break it in the central section then all of the sections above it fall away and drop so it's not going to yeah. be it's not going to be a block in the sense that you can place it in midair and it stays there. So that may be what they're trying to imply by not making it a full block. What do you think? Uh, this is the part where I really like the idea, but the execution really pulls me out of it. It's like this doesn't at all look like what I envisioned stalactites and stalagmites to look like. Right. Uh, I think, like, I love the idea of the fact that it's spiky and it damages mobs and the player, and I mean it opens us up for like farming and traps and um or from just a bad time in early minecraft if you yeah. jump down and you don't see one uh-huh. uh like that that kind of stuff could be you know you don't have your boots yet <laughs> you know um uh, i think that uh they might be able to bridge the gap in that in what i was thinking about with caves with stalact stalagmites and stalactites some of them are much bigger than others and this they're all the same width right yeah and that's the, the problem is that they're when one of them is on a block you only get the one width and i think that they could maybe if they tweaked the way that a drip cave is generated you could have some stalactites and stalagmites that are made of minecraft blocks and they are not these they are just part of the decor and i think having that scale of some big and fat minecraft stalactites and then some of these stalactites would work better a mix right? yeah it is it the, stops the stalactites and stalagmites looking like a cluster of pencils or organ yeah. pipes or something <laughs> yeah, like that right yeah. it's, it's what yeah. it is because because yeah. if it's something that's so large and it's formed naturally then you expect it to have a much wider base because mm -hmm. these things are formed by you know erosion of caves over time and what yep. instead you have here is yeah like a, a cluster of paintbrushes kind of stuck to the floor and yeah. yeah, that 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 may be something they can do about it. It may be just a a design compromise that they ultimately have to make. But I think the the functionality though should not be overlooked. The fact that they have no. you know gravity associated with them, they can fall on things. You can fall on them, and it hurts. I I don't know if it's going to be an instant kill like we saw with that zombie, but you can definitely see people using them for traps, and it makes a lot of sense that they're including something like this. And ultimately, these are. A feature of real world caves that couldn't really be overlooked i think when they were designing a new caving experience for minecraft i agree uh something else too uh i have the vanilla tweaks uh data pack for my um my playthrough where it adds 3d to things like trapdoors and sugarcane yeah and i have a football field size sugarcane um farm and it's not something that i use to harvest it's just decorative and it doesn't affect gameplay at all. Sure. Uh, it it did when it was growing, uh, but once it's in full full height, uh, I walk by it all the time, and there's no lag. So I'm kind of wondering whether there might be uh, uh, some sort of middle ground here again for the model to have it be a little bit more um, robust and feel a little bit more more solid and look like a rock. And maybe that's what it is: is that whenever we see these. Um, 
sprite like cross-section flat polygonal uh, models in minecraft it's usually organic grass flowers you know yeah. bushes yeah. all that kind of stuff we've not seen it to my and correct me if i'm wrong but we've not seen it with a solid i don't think no it, it's rare that you end up finding any examples of this that are yeah not plants like kelp or sugarcane or, or anything like that so mm -hmm. it's going to be an interesting compromise to see yeah to see which way they they go with it if it ends up having a a more blocky thing as a result of players associating that more with rock rather than you know having something that for whatever reason looks better in in more sprite-like form we will see and I feel like I don't know the terminology of how they refer to that internally, so it's kind of difficult for me to, to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to talking about cave generation in general, though, because as we're seeing from this screenshot, and as we've already touched on, there is going to be a vast variety of cave generation in this update, allowing for many more variations. They talked about one cave being more of a Swiss cheese-style setup, where another one was more like spaghetti. Uh, we saw a bunch of different cavernous structures including uh, ones which had a local water level is how they're describing it. So there are some places where water levels will settle below where you would normally find sea level, and that allows for exploration of these caves by boat. Uh, again, referring back to the real-world example of having flooded caves that people can you know, swim around or raft around in, uh, it seems like they are adding that experience to to Minecraft. And one of the things I think this has potential for expansion with, considering that this is also a mountain update as well as a cave update, imagine introducing local water level on the surface for better lake and river generation. You can imagine a mountain lake being part of the new mountain biomes if you end up having a local water level that starts at like Y90 or something. So I think there is potential for that feature to expand beyond just what we see in the cave sections right now. Obviously, a little bit harder to implement depending on the world generation because I feel like water doesn't have as far to go if you start low down in the world. Whereas if you generate a cave and there's not landscape around it to... Sorry, if you generate a lake in the mountains, there's not landscape around it to support it, you end up flooding a huge section of the world. So I'm not yeah. certain how that would work, but it could have the potential to be expanded to other areas. In the meantime, though, looks like a fantastic part of the caving experience. Yeah, and a, a, a uh, mountain lake could be a biome, like a sub-biome or something. You know, they could put a Minecraft spin on it and have it be, you know, just a... a uh, maybe where rivers start you know only place them at the top of a river so that the water actually has some place to go yeah uh, that makes sense that would be cool um, i get lord of the rings vibes from watching the reveals of these huge caverns the swiss cheese and the the big one the big water filled ones like it just reminds me of like fantasy adventure I hear the, you know, the, the Gandalf quote of like, let me risk just a little more light. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and they're revealing Moria sort of idea. Uh, and like that to me is, is super cool. And it really, I think when you start to think about this in combination with other stuff we already have in Minecraft, like strongholds, ravines, uh, dungeons abandoned like, mine shafts abandoned mine shafts like i mean when you start to get like an abandoned mine shaft that that reaches out into a giant cave you know or you know you're going through uh a spaghetti cave and all of a sudden there is a ravine that just rips right through the middle of it mm -hmm. if that's possible yeah uh, then you've got this thing where you're, you're coming to the edge of like your spaghetti cave and like oh that's a long way down yeah. <laughs> you know like I think there could be some really fun exploration. It's gonna it's gonna remove 
the tedium i think of exploring caves like when you when you don't want to get into a do a branch mine you know you're early minecraft you want to run through caves you want to grab the coal and the iron that you can kind of see on the surface of the cave walls you do that and after about 20 minutes it's it's pretty much the same over and over again this is going to flip that on its head uh, in a fantastic way it's also going to remove the tedium of building a giant cave base because giant cave is already (laughs) done for you you don't have to get all the way to you know being able to insta mine stone with a beacon just so you can carve out a large enough area for yourself it will already be there for you and you can customize it to the extent that you want to if you want a location that doesn't quite line up with the world generation or if you want to carve out even more sections of the cave to suit your own purposes but in the meantime you have a fantastic start for a dwarven fortress you know you have a really great start for some other kind of like you know research station down there in the caves or something you can definitely see people's minds light up when it comes to talking about the possibilities for building inside of newly generated cavern spaces and i think that's a a really really good thing now there are a lot of people speculating that with what we've seen in these videos world or terrain height will have to be adjusted to accommodate caves this large um now personally i get the sense that some customized terrain was shown in the video there was in particular a shot where a player was uh, riding a boat down some waterfalls into a cave and it looked like they definitely traveled more than 50 blocks down so this didn't seem like the kind of thing that would just be easily accessible from the surface i'm wondering if you know you can fit a pretty large area within 64 blocks but i'm wondering maybe under mountains it's more likely that cavernous areas are going to spawn because the terrain can reach you know heights of y100 um The thing you have to remember, though, is that adjusting terrain height means, if not incompatibility with existing worlds, then at the very least, massive and obvious chunk borders. If they start to decide to raise the sea level to 90 so that terrain can generate up to Y, you know, 180 or something like that, then you end up with some pretty significant problems at this point, not least for technical Minecraft, where people like to build their mob farms high in the air to avoid, you know... Uh, stuff spawning on the surface below and if the world height remains the same then you know you end up with with issues there but also if people have existing worlds and the sea level suddenly changes halfway through an ocean or if the mountain biome suddenly leaps up 50 blocks or more while they're exploring some you know the very edges of the world that they've generated already that's kind of a problem and that is i think something mojang has been very careful to avoid whenever they've updated minecraft in the recent past with stuff like the end update in 1.9 they made sure to generate islands outside of anywhere there was already terrain when they added end cities to the end and so forth and since then whenever there have been updates to terrain it's all been fairly subtle and it's all corresponded with where the terrain naturally flows in existing world generation will they end up using a completely different terrain generation in this next update I don't know if they will. Uh, With mountains, obviously, there are going to be changes, but I don't know if they want to move the entire geometry of a world around just because that would fit in their vision for a cave update. I don't see it happening. I've I've seen this discussion popped up a a number of times online, including my own Discord community, and it just doesn't feel good as a player experience. Yeah. And, And I think the blowback would be would be pretty loud um i i think there's enough room 
to to do what needs to be done uh in in caves and stuff like that i think a lot of the the bottoms of these giant caves are going to be really close to bedrock like i think you're going to have bedrock and then a couple of layers of stuff and then your your water your giant underwater lake is going to be at like you know y15 or y20 yeah i, I don't think you're going to have um i don't think you're going to have stuff be so uh out there um Dilkin Seven, you know, in our chat is pointing out that like ravines are really deep now. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can drop them by 10 blocks and have them be completely hidden. So I, I don't think it would be a, a, a stretch. Um, I, I, for one, as someone that has a server that's been around for three and a half years, uh, do not want to reset. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want to do that. Now, I have the option to just teleport 20,000 blocks in some other direction and just like play that that way. Um, and then just try not to discover any new chunks around where we had built before, uh, which would be challenging. Yeah, uh, I am. I am but... wondering if there is potential for the world to go into negative numbers on the y-axis. Right, is what I'm thinking. Because will we end up going below the bedrock level that we currently use? Because that is the the potential the world has. If you consider the other two directions, the x-axis and the z-axis, we go into negatives on both of those. So why not the y-axis? Why not have something? you know caves start to generate at negative one and and go further down than that i feel like while there are obviously restrictions world height could be adjusted downwards instead of upwards to keep existing terrain the way it is but allow for world generation outside of that that would of course cause problems where that bordered on chunks that didn't have anything beforehand you know where the void is effectively mm. but then that could allow for much deeper cave generation and potentially for what we want to discuss next which is the deep dark uh, but i think you had a did you have an idea you wanted to finish before we move on the, the only thing that i just clued into now was that we have azalea trees um flag flagging the potential for um lush caves, lush caves. yeah what if mountains were flagging the potential area for larger cave biomes underneath yes so it, it could be a possibility and from, you know from what we have seen in screenshots as well, we'll cover mountain generation in a second, but the screenshots we saw there also showed clouds at the very base of what the mountain structure looked like. And again, that may be a an exaggerated example of world generation for the purposes of taking a nice screenshot, but it may also mean that mountains are going to be generating much taller than we expect and over a broader range than we are used to. So that's going to be... And I'm okay with them being taller. It's yeah. just that you don't want the chunk to start at like Y70 because then you get those flat chunk walls. But if it yes. starts at 63 or 64, just like everything else, and then the mountains just can go higher, yeah. then that's fine too, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. If, if, if a mountain biome was not like a series of sort of rangy hills but it was more like okay this now towers to a specific peak like the mountain generation actually has a target to aim for and everything is kind of sloping up towards that i feel like that looks more realistic than the mountains we have right now um let's let's go further under the mountain though let's go into the deep dark because this has some of the features i am probably the most excited for uh let's find the the notes for that there's so many notes in our i think this is probably the longest show notes set that we've ever taken um but this is a mysterious new biome the deep dark home to skulk blocks including skulk sensors and the warden so the warden lives in the deep dark is blind and hunts using sound it has a lot of health and an incredibly powerful melee attack and we saw a little bit in the video of the light dimming in and out around the warden 
uh, when the player first encountered it. And that actually seems to be, according to a tweet from King B-Dogs, who's been working on the Warden feature and was discussing it on the live show, an intentional effect. That's not some sort of video editing trick or it's not some kind of temporary thing. King B-Dogs did mention that not a lot of people are talking about this yet, but that is something that is a, a feature of the Warden mob. We saw some new stone in the walls in the uh, the footage of the Deep Dark. We also saw skulk blocks and skulk sensors on the floor. And uh, skulk sensors are something that I know, Joel, you are very excited about. Yeah, the skulk sensors definitely kind of tickled my fancy, pardon the, the pun. Um, they, It's just one of those things that Minecraft does very, very well in creating a new redstone mechanic but with an organic block yeah uh it's a plant uh essentially it looks like a fungus i guess uh and i, I just the fact that it wobbles and makes a noise and can read other noises the fact that it will read itself for other um skulkers or skulker detectors uh that you can create like sound loops and redstone loops uh means that there are way easier ways to make redstone clocks now uh, if you don't mind the the wobble noise happening every you know every couple of ticks, and if you don't um, mind going down into the deep dark to find them in the first place, well, there's that too. <laughs> from um, what from what we understand, these are going to be native to that area and maybe not even craftable. Well, I'm hoping that you can. If it's a plant, I'm hoping that you can somehow harvest it and then grow it. Yeah, uh, similar to you have to brave a nether fortress to get nether wart um but once you've got a handful you can bring it back to your own spot and and grow it and i and i think that that would probably be how i would hope they would approach this where yes you have to brave the deep dark you may have to face the warden but if you can silk touch a couple of these things and make your escape then uh then you've got enough to start to slowly cultivate your own your own growth of of skulk sensors and skulk blocks and stuff they didn't they spent a lot of time talking about the skulk sensors but they spent very little time talking about the two other textures that i saw i think there are two um, or three yes because yeah. it seems to be some sort of almost organic looking growth that takes mm -hmm. over other blocks we saw it happening with you know there being a thick carpet of this stuff and then patches of you know almost like warts elsewhere on the ground where it had started taking over surrounding blocks we saw two separate screenshots one in the cave where the player encountered the warden and another in a creative flat world and it seemed like it was spreading between the darker blocks to cover over both stone and grass so it may be something almost like a corrupting effect that slowly takes over blocks around it the way grass spreads over dirt but with a wider variety of blocks which has an interesting um potential maybe it just spread spreads to blocks that are horizontal around it but if left unchecked it could convert an entire biome in theory if that's how it works um, and it looks like the kind of thing that would be growing sort of insidiously over time and just kind of creeping around the area which could be kind of interesting maybe it needs darkness to grow in the same way that other plants need light to grow uh, that could be an interesting interpretation of it and the skulk sensor looks to me like a revolution in wireless redstone they showed an example that was very brief of um you know, a player placing something and then it chaining the effect to subsequent uh, skulk sensors before setting off a firework at the end. They also showed off that you can occlude it by placing wool blocks around the outside so that it is actually a directional uh, sound vibration sensor instead of being 
uh, an omnidirectional one. So if you put wool on three sides of it and maybe over the top as well, it will only detect sounds or vibrations coming from the direction where it is not occluded by a wool block, which is really quite smart, especially as it pertains to redstone contraptions that are going to have a lot of moving parts to begin with. And also if the player wants to work on one side of it, but then have, you know, stuff happening on the other side, it kind of makes a lot of sense that they've got a way to work around that mechanic and it's not just going to be pinging constantly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see things like, you know, um, remote doors that are opened by just purely your footsteps. Like there's just all kinds of cool stuff. Um, I don't know whether you have to actually break or place blocks in order to trigger the... Um, the uh the skulk sensor i know the warden can hear your footsteps so you yes. have to sneak around i believe I they confirmed what... that skulk sensors were going to be able to hear footsteps as well footsteps. I, th I think so it's again, ba great, basically like... anything that makes a sound like they turned levers on and off and that was being detected so right so i mean that's great i mean you can uh, have have the the rest of your base muffled by having uh wool blocks around the back of a skulk sensor and then when you walk towards your front door it triggers and everything opens up you know they, um, they also I make think... a very distinctive noise and i can only imagine that players are going to learn to dread that noise with the amount of traps people are going to make yeah now. yeah you could do i well and that's the other thing too is that you could you can completely bluff somebody right like you could have them walk into your base and just have a whole bunch of these things going off and doing nothing but making noise yes. like maybe there is no trap you're mm -hmm. just gonna just mess with people psycho psychologically yes uh, that could be kind of fun i can also see the noise getting a little tedious um yeah. so depending on on what you're trying to do for rp you know like if it's making this weird wobble noise that might not be the best but Again, those are things that people can change with texture, with uh, resource packs and things, or uh, even just yeah, also, individual volume sliders for it as well. Depending well, on what well, well, if there is, yeah, yeah, if there is a volume slider for it, well, I mean, not in Bedrock. <laughs> yes, this is true. Uh, but then you've also got the ability to, you know, muffle it, and I don't know whether that muffles the sound you hear as well as the sound that it will receive. Uh, and uh, you could also, oh. If you're doing a long chain of these, my first thought was like, oh my gosh, that's going to be annoying. But then I thought, well, wait a minute, you can't hear sound in Minecraft outside of 16 blocks anyway. So you're only going to hear the first one, maybe two in a long chain of these. And after that, you're not going to hear them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be interesting to see what people start doing with those once we have them available in snapshots. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's, going to be, it's going to be super fun. One thing I was thinking of, um, you know how chorus plants make a noise when they grow? Imagine setting up a skulk sensor at the right height so that it only detected when a plant grew to a certain height and then could automatically farm chorus flowers for you. Like you could get a few a few circuits like that spring to mind. And I'm no redstone genius, but I feel like there's going to be some really interesting stuff we can do with it. Um, yeah. let's, let's talk about the, the sister mob to the skulk sensor block, though. Let's talk about the warden, my new pride and joy, my precious child. Uh, the warden I'm, I'm so taken with this mob joel like the the design of it seems so otherworldly it feels almost like something from a studio ghibli film like spirited away it's got that kind of ethereal look to it and as many people have pointed out the color scheme both of the skulk blocks and the warden seems to align much more with the end than with anything in the overworld or the nether it's got that kind of um you know, turquoisey green kind of look to it, along with some very deep blues and the endstone yellow kind of color that I think works really well together as a color palette, but also implies maybe otherworldly origins, or maybe that the deep dark is not even something 
that existed in the overworld previous to this may not even be in the overworld at all from what we know because you know king b dogs has been working on this and famously king b dogs is the developer who uh, created the mod the ether which was a whole separate dimension based on the idea of sky islands that eventually became the end in vanilla minecraft so i wonder if maybe a new dimension is going to be a possibility or maybe as we discussed earlier this could be an area that exists underneath uh what we think of right now as bedrock level but the warden is going to be a really tough challenge like can you imagine one of these things barreling down at you how do you how do you think we're going to fight it joel well, and this is where, you know, first person melee stuff in Minecraft for me, where I'm at a loss because I was like, well, this, it's not my forte. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine you'd have to figure out the movement patterns of the warden. Granted, you'd have to make noise in order to do something like create a ditch between yourself and the warden. Yes. Um, if you had time to do so. Um, but if you can do that, that would strike me as the um, best way to deal with it because I did not see any kind of um, projectile or ranged attack. Yeah. It seemed to be just a brute, uh, but a fast brute at that. Uh, there does not seem to be a way to run away from it. So um, by running, you're going to create noise. It seems to be faster than you once it detects you. And I, so I think it's basically... You have to sneak and avoid it. And I think the idea is probably meant that you have to be very close to it, but very quiet in order to escape it. That would be my my guess. Yeah. Um, I, as far as I can tell, there are two strategies with the warden. There is sneak around it and hope it doesn't hear you. Or there is, you know, dig into a cave wall or pillar up. You know, the kind of stuff that we do to avoid fighting things like Enderman and Wither Skeletons now. Yeah. I think the video showed the player fighting them on even terms and probably on hard difficulty just to kind of showcase how much damage they could do. But if you're playing on easy or if you have a decent strategy, you're just going to be able to wall it off. And I honestly don't think it's going to ruin mining for people the way people are worried that it no. might. Um, no. The only thing also that's they gonna... have they have snowballs in the hotbar, and uh, I'm wondering if you throw snowballs. I think I even mentioned on uh, on stream, like, what if you had a a couple of stacks of eggs, and you're hoping for a chicken that's going to make noise and distract it, you know, and have yes. it will go one way while you go the other. Now we don't know whether it's going to prioritize player sounds over animal sounds, but if it just prioritizes the most recent sound it's heard or the closest sound to it, if you hit the wall next to it with a chicken egg and the chicken hatches. And it's distracted by the chicken. Sweet. Yes. There, <laughs> see, see you later. <laughs> there are a couple of things I'm concerned about with the warden. First and foremost, does it attack the player when it makes noise? Or does it only attack the player when the player attacks it? Which seemed to be the case in this clip, right? We saw the warden lumbering around after all of these noises, but we didn't see it genuinely attack anything until the player shot it with a bow. Um, and if there is a reason to shoot it with a bow, if you want to get, you know, maybe a renewable resource for skulk sensors, fine. If there is no reason to attack it and it's just going to lumber around and scare you if you make noise, then, you know, that, that might be a better experience for people who don't want combat. But I feel like it's not going to be as threatening as all that. So we'll see. Also, if it reacts to all noise and potentially attacks anything that could be a source of, you know, of danger... If this generates in caves in the overworld, what's then going to happen when a skeleton wanders over and then starts, you know, clanking around, the warden attacks it, the skeleton retaliates, and yes, the warden's going to be able to two-shot basically anything because it hits so hard, but I do wonder whether or not other mobs would end up killing the warden before you even got to see it if you just hung around that area but didn't 
ever encounter the warden if it would just end up taking itself out on other mobs in the in the area because you know zombies will spawn with decent armor at some point so they might be able to get a few hits in on it before it ends up you know taking them out so I, d I do kind of wonder how all of that ends up working how it interacts with stuff like creepers you know there, there will be a few other problems there um, well i mean creepers run away from cats skeletons run away from dogs maybe like, why, not? Mobs. why not why <laughs> not yeah why not have all mobs go like you're on your own player see you yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. We're, we're not taking part you we know we do we do not enter the deep dark uh there is yeah yeah that could be a two that that's that's an interesting oh. thing and and that may oh. also be um you know some imagine some... imagine if if you could use the skulker block so not the sensors but like the actual um, blocks that we're seeing the growth that we're seeing imagine if that deterred mobs oh that could be interesting and and you'd have to put up with it being basically everywhere at that point but yeah, yeah de but depending like, on what blocks were spawnable for mobs and what weren't yeah yeah like you could just like it's kind of like putting salt around a slug you just like <laughs> put this around your base just like it's ugly for now but if it keeps you guys out i'm good <laughs> i wonder i wonder yeah it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how mechanics like that develop for sure and yeah in the meantime i'm just happy that we have something that feels so original like um a, a few people have already compared it to shrek which is probably the only thing that's going to make me dislike the warden although if you showed me a, a screenshot of the warden standing next to a donkey in minecraft i would still probably laugh but it's uh it's going to be a a really neat addition to the game it's going to be the kind of thing that depending on where we find it you could probably avoid entirely but if the deep dark has some other uh, exciting stuff to go for it's odd that a redstone component of all things is going to be the thing that people try and you know get through this potentially difficult combat experience in order to get normally it's you know things like beacons and you know the the ender dragon gating the pathway to stuff like elytra and shulker boxes and stuff but in this case it's going to be wireless redstone is now gated behind this lumbering creature that you end up having to fight or avoid we will see. A um, couple of other things I wanted to bring up about the Deep Dark is that in the screenshot we saw, or rather in the footage that we saw, there were candles dotted around the walls. There were both black and white candles that looked like fairly medieval-looking traditional wax candles that's potentially going to be um, an interesting light source. It looked like they were clustered together like sea pickles would be, so maybe we get the opportunity to mess around with those. And there's been a quite lively discussion in our Discord about potential ways to avoid the Warden in terms of enchantments or potions. So if you could drink a potion or splash yourself with a potion that would cause your footstep noises to disappear, you could trick both the Warden and Skulk sensors and maybe get around a little bit more easily. But maybe you would need to go through some other sort of challenge in order to get a potion that made you that quiet. Or maybe there could be an enchantment for boots that was maybe you know, mutually exclusive from some other stuff just to avoid players wearing it all the time, but that could muffle your footsteps so it was less likely these things would see you. What do you think about those ideas? Yeah, I think that it could also be um, some things that will not gate, but create some sort of progression where you're going to want to go to the nether to get your soul speed boots, you know, before yeah. you go to um, find the deep dark because something that you're going to get and be able to craft in from the nether materials might help you in the deep dark and like i, I like the idea of having some enchantments and some other stuff added because that's the kind of thing where like adding that kind of enchantment to to the game just kind of adds more gameplay it creates ways for 
players to do that kind of stuff. I feel like there's going to have to be some choices. Like I know that with the Nether, we are all sacrificing our fancy iron or diamond helmets to use usually a gold helmet is what most players are, are using to avoid the piglin interactions. Yeah. And uh, at least on my server. And I'm wondering if it's like, all right, well, you're going to have to have these boots and they're going to have to be, you know, um, a special kind of enchantment for on these boots or no boots at all or something. But what if it's leather? To... What if leather armor makes the least yeah, like, noise or something? Yeah. Ex exactly. Or, or an enchantment that's mutually exclusive from... Uh, Feather Falling or uh, Depth Strider, two things that players usually want on their boots, right? And if you say like, well, you can have this quiet thing, but it means that you're going to have to be real careful around those cliffs and, and cave edges because you don't have Feather Falling. You can't just jump anywhere, yeah. you know? And I, I feel like that could be a thing. But like, again, like gold has very little protection. Uh, leather has very little protection. That would seem to me like a, a, a pretty straightforward trade-off. Say like, well, you can sneak around this thing, but in order to do it, we're going to make your armor even less so, which makes the warden even more dangerous. Yes. So yeah, a lot, lot of, lot of potential for some, <laughs> some, some expansion of mechanics to cope with the warden as a challenge. Uh, let's talk about some less challenging but equally adorable mobs. I think uh, we have axolotls and goats to be talking about. Axolotls can be found in lush caves, are friendly to players but hostile to other aquatic life. Players can scoop them up in buckets and bring them to fight guardians, the drowned, and other water mobs like fish and the new glow squid, which is, of course, the winner of the mob vote. Uh, they also have the ability to play dead and heal themselves when injured, and there are hints that they can actually heal players too. They also come in three different colours from what we have seen in the concept art and the footage that we saw. Goats were, of course, voted in as part of last year's biome vote. They live in mountain biomes, can jump very high, and will headbutt other mobs and potentially players too with a pretty strong knockback. So axolotls and goats, Joel, what would you like to tackle first? Uh, we can talk about the axolotls. I mean, I think it's a neat mechanic to have a friendly uh, mob in the water that will actually tag along with the player. Dolphins are friendly, but they just kind of like swim around with you yes. and play with objects. They don't actually... You can't actually, you know, well, pe people wanted to ride them, but for obvious reasons, they didn't include that in Minecraft. But yes. I, I think the axolotls as like an addition to players that maybe have trouble tackling things like ocean monuments, uh, having um, extra uh, axolotls around when you're trying to get down to one of those sunken monuments, what are they called? Sunken treasures, sunken monuments, where there's a lot of drowned around. Yeah, you know, having having like stuff ocean like ruins that and stuff. Yeah, ocean ruins. Thank you. Yeah, so having stuff like that around is neat. It also just provides a really cool mechanic. Although you'd have to be in third person to see it, because uh, if it's just you, you're gonna have to just you have to turn around completely to see that these little dudes are following you. Yeah, um, they're cute. Uh, I think that uh, in the world of weird sea creatures that actually exist on Earth, they make a perfect addition to Minecraft. Uh, yeah, because they they have that. They're already kind of walleye to begin with mm -hmm. um people are comparing them to sea dogs but i think axolotls are kind of like the ocean's answer to cats uh, at least the internet and, and from what i can tell people that are very into cute cats tend to also be, be very into axolotls once they discover them mm -hmm. um, um but yeah i think i mean i think they look cool i i don't know how much i'm going to use them but again like that's it's not for everyone they seem like they'd I, be a really nice addition to you know aquatic displays like people have been very into making fish tanks since the update aquatic came except out except they're gonna kill everything well yeah th this is true like they'll have to have their own enclosure but it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be nice to have something like that to add to the the range of things that you can put in an aquarium i i think 
the main takeaway from axolotls is that mojang is not just resting on their laurels now the update aquatic has introduced all of these other things like they they are still keen to update ocean life even though we have recently had an aquatic update and so mm-hmm. it shows that aspects of the game that have been updated recently are not just going to remain neglected for the next five or ten years until they decide another update is necessary they're, they're, they're considering all of these things as a a new area that they can continue to uh, improve and provide new dynamics to and so i'm glad that they don't consider ocean life just complete as of 113 um yeah i like the color variants of axolotls as well i think that's kind of a a fun thing to have from the get-go because there aren't many other mobs that launch with variants you know you don't get multicolored phantoms or anything um so it's kind of cool that we have three versions of the axolotl and that's gonna provide people with some interest if they want to just go around collecting mobs for zoological purposes it would look cool like you're talking about like aquatic displays i'm just thinking about like that mad scientist's layer that has like these three little tiny aquatic um jars on a shelf and each one of them has got a different color axolotl in it like that <laughs> yeah. it just it just the kind of thing that looks like a weird floating specimen from space you know like just it has that outworldly kind of fun decorative idea to it yeah the kind of thing that i, I think works very well with the aesthetic of minecraft in, in general and yeah they, they are the most alien looking mob from you know as far as like it being converted from a real world animal i think it looks pretty good uh let's talk about goats very briefly because there isn't much to goats as far as we can see they exist in mountain biomes headbutt stuff and jump super high <laughs> i thought foxes jumped high and then i saw goats those things get some height they've got like a 20 foot vertical leap or something but um yeah I, I don't see goats really being used for all that much that zoglins aren't now because i imagine zoglins well i suppose zoglins can kill stuff more easily because they're quite powerful whereas goats could just headbutt stuff for very little damage and let the fall do the rest but i think uh, the design of them seems decent enough like it is what i imagine a goat might look like in minecraft right yeah i i feel like it's one of those things where they kind of they showed the goat before in in one of those little uh, mountain cartoon videos that they did the promos with um with uh, agnes and, and jen and i i feel like they translate okay to minecraft but it's not something I think we're gonna have we're gonna see all that often. Yeah. Uh, I. I think I you get spoiled with the models that you see in Minecraft dungeons as well, and and you forget that sometimes things in in Minecraft look a little bit flat. Um, I I was noticing when I was rewatching the trailer and seeing how they interact with other mobs, it felt like the mob went flying long before the goat actually had any contact with it. So I, I'm hoping that they can refine that interaction because like the, like the... the collision mechanics for it yeah yeah like the the goat didn't actually go anywhere near the cow the cow just kind of f- had a, an invisible force field around it and went flying when the goat got close to it so um that kind of stuff is, is interesting i i like the idea and i would imagine i think i mentioned this on the live stream that their jump mechanic probably keeps them from being stuck on the one by one block that they spawn on on the yeah. side of a cliff yeah if there's a block five blocks above them that they can get to if it's if that's their jump height then that enables them to move around the mountains which is how goats mountain goats do that which is really cool um i think i like i don't know what what this brings as far as drops as far as uh interactions i think it's one of those things where like you might want to put it in a in a mob farm to help you know headbutt things off but then eventually if it takes any damage from mobs that happen to hit it before it hits them then it's eventually going to die um i don't know it's it's one of those tricky 
things where I don't see yet how they're going to implement it, but uh, it's so early, it's kind of hard to get excited about it. I feel like one of the other possibilities with mobs like this, we were saying earlier about, you know, creepers being scared of cats, and maybe everything is scared of the warden, maybe witches are scared of goats or something like that. You know, you can, mm. you, can, you can have a little bit of fun with stuff like that and it lends more mechanics to the game. If you want to make a mob sorter, for example, like having you know, a dog to scare the skeletons, a villager to lure all of the zombies, a goat to scare the witches into a certain area, and you can kind of, you know, make a hostile mob sorter into, you know, a variety of different chambers that store all of the different things. So I wonder if goats could potentially have a mechanic like that. That might make them a little bit more desirable for technical players. Um, you know, the, 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 to have them do something that zoglins don't could be um, kind of a, a selling point for goats that would make people consider them a little bit more than they have right now. And I think they'll they'll fit just at home in the mountains. And if people are going to want to go and see the mountains to begin with uh, because of the, the changes to terrain generation, then I think people might encounter goats more than they would in just the average play session. So at least we'll be able to uh, see people getting mileage out of that feature. Let us dive back underground, though, because we have a few new things to talk about in terms of underground generation and new blocks. Specifically, crystal geodes, which now generate underground. Amethyst geodes were shown, uh, where amethyst crystals seem to be growing both in block form and in clusters growing from the surface of those blocks. The grown crystals can be gathered, but it seems that the blocks they grow from are unobtainable, sort of like mob spawners was the example, which presumably means that they will break, but you cannot get them to drop. So even with silk touch or something like that, they will not be uh, obtainable to take away and grow crystals elsewhere, meaning that you're going to have to return to a crystal geode anytime you want to gather the crystals themselves. This is kind of unprecedented in a way, because the only other unobtainable blocks we have in the game really are mob spawners, bedrock, and end portal frames. So this kind of represents a new destination for players, and one that people are going to have to come back to. And I wonder how much this is going to divide the player base uh, when they have really attractive textures on things like the geode walls that the player can't get. Yeah. Unless by harvesting the crystals, if you could eventually craft that block uh, later on down the line, then that would be maybe a way to make that up. But I, I imagine it's going to be met with a lot of friction by the very nature of Minecraft being something that you have basically complete control over, yeah. for lack of a better term, uh, to then have a block in it that is very pretty and you cannot use or move. Uh, I'm also getting mixed messages, and I think it's just because Mojang wasn't super clear about what they actually mean by it's not mineable. Can you not remove it like bedrock? Can you just not get it like it doesn't drop? Uh, and is it uh, a question that you brought up on our live stream? Is it just the block underneath the crystal that you can't get? Or is it that you can't mine anything that you see in the geode screenshot? Right? Like, yeah. is it is it just all the purple stuff is just stuck there and you can't do anything with it? What I'm uh, what I'm hoping we can mine is the two additional stone blocks that they didn't talk about but do seem to exist around the outside of these geodes. Yeah, that seem to yeah, be the I, kind of thing that we we might really want to build with. One of them looks a little bit marbly, uh, in terms of like a white marble kind of thing, and the other one looks like a little bit of a tougher stone with a a darker gray texture that could be a really interesting addition to the stone color palette. 
Yeah, and I think that's one of those frustrating situations where there just there was just so much information to convey during Minecon, Minecraft Live. I did it. I finally did it. Uh, <laughs> You've, I mean, the, it's uh, taken you like an hour and fifteen minutes of this recording. Yeah. So you did pretty well up until this point. So, like, but to get to to um to get all the information in there, they also could just be at a point in development where, like, we know we're adding geodes, but we haven't hashed out all the details yet. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm I'm hoping that um there is lots of time for player feedback to let them know like please let us mine this stuff or like i said let us create it later yeah um, I, I, I think, think it's an interesting mechanic the idea of forcing players to go and be at a spot and create location-based farms it's good like that that's that encourages the exploration it encourages exploring caves like i mean i, I get why they're doing it right it's the same reason they had shipwrecks and hearts of the sea yes in the aquatic update right they encourage you to travel through the oceans and look for this stuff right yeah I, um, I do wonder if there is a compromise somewhere like if certain crystal blocks can be moved but others can't or if uh they were obtainable and placeable by players but they just wouldn't grow new crystals after that but that would kind of require the crystals to be used for a few more things than i think they are right now mm -hmm. uh, they are decorative and they are used in a new telescope item uh, which is effectively going to work the same way as Optifine Zoom does, but with a fairly limited field of view, thanks to a a kind of black vignette around that kind of puts it at a, a, a as a circle. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the telescope in a second. But I do wonder, yeah, if maybe you could craft using the crystal items that we can gather a crystal block that you could place somewhere but then wouldn't grow new crystals so you can have it as an aesthetic building block but you still have to keep going back to the geode in order to obtain the crystals themselves to build more and there might be some more compromise there there may also be room for them to include additional colors of geode maybe the amethyst ones are more common but you more rarely you get like a topaz or a sapphire or something like that that maybe fits into a a space in the color palette that we don't already have occupied. I hope so, because uh, this looks an awful lot like purper, and we all know how I feel about purper. Yeah. And and I think that if, if these are supposed to be these super cool things, well, if there's only one color, once you've seen one, you've kind of seen them all. Yeah. And, and I, I think it would be something very cool to add, not only new new colors to it, but to change the geometry of the crystalline structure that grows on them. If it, you know, Maybe yellow is tall and thin. Uh, your, your amethyst is a little bit squat. You know, maybe the uh, ruby or, or topaz has is, is got a different crystalline structure. There's also an opportunity here to to be um, educational and, and take a look at how these kind of things actually form in geology and, and communicate that to players. Yeah, and it seems unlikely that they'd include crystal versions of things like emeralds because those already exist in the game and having another yeah. way to farm emeralds seems unrealistic at this point. But I do think it would be it would be fun to have a variety of things. And if you are trying to build using them, if you can place them elsewhere in the world and you want to make a custom crystal cave, it's going to feel a little bit samey if you just have one color of crystal to do that with. So I do wonder if they'll be able to add more to the the crystal geode family let's say as things go along um let's talk about the other component of the telescope which is copper uh copper is now going to form under the under the ground in veins which are going to be a little different from the veins that we are currently used to they're going to form more in stripes than in clusters because one of the things they were talking about as part of the the pillars of this update the the concepts that they really want to uphold with the caves and cliffs update and one of those things is that mining should be more strategic. So if you find a couple of pieces of copper, 
then that means potentially you need to dig in a certain direction in order to find more of the ore and it's not just going to be in a clump and then once you've mined that out that's it you're going to be able to find it more in a geological strata of the underground instead of just finding it the way we find iron or coal or something right now um once smelted i presume it turns into bars before it is crafted into blocks but it can be crafted into blocks uh we have a couple of examples of that in screenshots and a time lapse which shows copper blocks and slabs and stairs all being used to create a roof and then aging over time and what that does is how copper works in the real world is that it develops this tarnish that i think is more properly called verdigris uh which turns it a very kind of turquoise shade similar to prismarine um and so once copper is placed the blocks tarnish over time taking on this turquoise tint say that a few times fast um and i think it has been shared around by some of the developers that there may be a way to pause this process so that you can preserve the blocks in a specific state or maybe you know restore them by polishing or something like that but um yeah either way there is actually a range of color in here from that very orangey copper color that you start off with to uh you know through a few stages of decay before it turns into that kind of more uh statue of liberty-esque verdigris color um do you see yourself building with copper joel or do you find yourself maybe thinking you know save that for something else i see myself building with copper if i can keep it copper yeah uh if there's a way to do that i, I well i really applaud the idea of having a block that ages in minecraft um i don't think it ages slowly enough for people to be able to enjoy um the builds in between especially if you're on a multiplayer server where you don't log in for a week and people are there loading your build and you just never got to see it in between at all yeah um, I think that could be kind of complicated. Uh, so if there's a way to either stop it at the copper level by maybe smelting it or glazing it or I don't know, there's insert Minecraft mechanic here that would allow you to keep it as copper. Uh, and uh, or if if, as you said, like in all those stages in between that people find very attractive, if there would be a way to control that and stop it, um, then I think that would be great. Otherwise, I think people are just going to be like, well, why do I want another stared prismarine colored block? And, when it and starts off as something new and then goes back to something that is old. Not only that, but if you do want that color, you have to wait a while for it to show up. You have to place copper blocks and then, you know, if people are going to want to farm these blocks for building with directly, then they're going to have to create a large area of copper that decays and then craft it into the other stuff or you know just leave all of these blocks out to to dry <laughs> or, or to, yeah. to to corrode over time and also yeah. that's potentially going to introduce issues with stacking which again we, we can cover a little bit more about how they plan on curtailing that problem a little later but if you have five variants of this block which seems to be the case there's copper there's the fully verdigree version and then there are three may two or three transitional stages in the middle then that slabs stairs and blocks in a range of color palettes that's your full inventory more or less uh so i think it's going to potentially be a little difficult to um you know to, to manage all of the different stages of copper but if there is a way of preserving it in a certain stage then i think it has a little bit more potential and could be used for some really interesting gradients in builds uh before we get away from copper what do you think of the texture of the blocks themselves because i imagine that is still a placeholder but it looks largely speaking like uh your stone brick or even purple brick where it's almost like bars of copper have been glued together 
I actually, I don't mind the fact that it looks like a purple brick, but it's shiny. It, yeah. it kind of makes me wonder whether this is going to open the doors for stairs and slabs in iron, stairs and slabs in gold, lapis, diamond, you know, um, that would be awesome if we could do that. Yeah. Uh, for people that, you know, that want to decorate with those blocks, but like, I mean, well, think about gold, you know, and how people are just going crazy for gold with another update and decorating with it and how it goes with so many different blocks. But then you're stuck with just decorating it either with pressure plates or full blocks, right? If you had stairs and slabs with gold, you can create some beautiful like arches and like think about decorating like Egyptian temples. Like there's just so much possibility uh, if you open up stairs and slabs in the mineral slash, you know, mining uh, block. What What's the word I'm looking for? Metal blocks, I guess. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, or, the ore blocks, the, the precious ore blocks that you get in the game. Yeah. Um, Imagine, imagine, well, I, I guess that it gets really complicated if you start opening up to redstone stairs and slabs, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, but st stuff like that is, is, is very, very interesting. Uh, I, I can see myself again, I can see myself building with it if, and, and using that texture in a few different ways, but not the green one, like not, not the turquoisey one. It's, it's, it's the copper color that I want. And for me, copper is really interesting for, for two reasons. Um, one, what they said about the vein mining, as opposed to the blob mining of, of ore collection. Mm -hmm. I hope they apply that to everything else. I hope iron and coal and diamond and all that kind of stuff. Cause I think by mining more sideways, by not just digging the six blocks that you see, I think it's going to encourage exploration. There's, I'm sure lots of times where I've mined out the six blocks of coal that I found all in a clump. And there's probably like a, a, an abandoned mine shaft four blocks away that I don't find, <laughs> you yeah. know, because yeah. I just I just go right by it, you know, right underneath your nose. And I, and I think that having to dig a little bit more uh, might bring a little bit more gamification to mining. You know, it might have that more like, whoa, rather than just saying like, all right, here I found all I can find. It's like, no, well, I have to dig around and see what might be there. Um, you get that, I think, and you, you would be one to, to speak on this with uh, mining um, ancient debris. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's finding as a certain amount of like, you know, th there could always be one more block behind that wall and pressing your luck almost to try and find mm -hmm. it is, is kind of part yeah. of the part of the game. And I think that's I, I think it's interesting about them talking about adding strategy to the game in terms of mining, because I feel like ancient debris has already added a certain amount of strategy and like how you acquire large amounts of it. And, you know, people going through the motions of refining that process until they get it to where they want it to. And there still being a few different schools of thought on how that works, I think is quite an interesting facet to the game now. So if they can introduce the same sort of stuff with mining other materials, then I think that's definitely uh, definitely for the better. Um, and copper is conductive. You know, like, is there going to be anything in the game that, you know, gets that kind of thing going? Not just the lightning rod that they showcased, but like other stuff. Uh, do we get pressure, pressure plates from copper? Do we get copper bars? Like we get iron bars? Like we certainly don't get, get copper tools. Questions. That's the thing. No, like, we don't have a tool set for a new ore, which I think is probably going to be annoying to some people who just like the idea of there being more tools in the game. But realistically we talked about this on the live stream copper is really soft as a metal which is why it's being made out of roofs to begin with uh so why roofs are being made out of it uh so i think uh it's not going to be useful as tools because people will just skip over it on their way to diamond and netherite and other things right mm -hmm. so um yep. i i think copper is going to be more interesting to use for a building block and the only other use for it we have is a telescope and a lightning rod the telescope is of course for viewing diff distant objects 
and the lightning rod prevents lightning strikes from setting fire to flammable materials. It is ideal for putting on your roof if your roof is made out of wood or wool or something that can potentially burn down in a storm. And this actually might be the thing that gets me to turn fire spread back on in my survival worlds, because the main reason I have it turned off right now is because I can't control lightning strikes. If one happens at my spawn while I am elsewhere in the world, and I come back and my house has been burned down, I'm not super happy about that. And while rain will naturally put fire out a lot of the time, sometimes fire spread can happen very quickly and that's really all it takes. So I do wonder if lightning rods, once you get hold of them, are going to be a really neat way of avoiding that happening and still allowing for the slightly more volatile aspects of fire that are useful to players, like being able to clear a large section of a forest if you don't want to pick up all of the leaves. And, uh, you know, the, the potential for lava lakes to still catch on fire and have random events like that happening, but not happening to stuff that you've ended up taking time to build. I still think most players are just going to turn fire tick off. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think fire tick, I think, lands in a direct parallel to the question that devs get all the time about adding natural disasters like hurricanes and tornadoes and, you know, stuff like that into the game. And that's something that you can't control destroying your stuff does not feel good. Yeah. And, and I think that um, even with a lightning rod, I still want to be able to make fireplaces with a wood floor, yes. you know, next to them and all that kind of stuff. And the fact that the fire spreads in that manner and that stone blocks don't block fire spread in the same way that stone blocks block fire spread in real life, um, I think it's just most people are just going to leave the fire spread off. Yeah, I, I think it's it's going to allow for a little bit more nuance in terms of it not just being an on or off problem, but I think it's, yeah, it, it's, it's potentially not going to deter everybody, and yeah, building with fire is still something that you might want to preserve, but at least we still have the option, you know, they are adding lightning rods to the game to prevent, you know, fringe cases of people's houses burning down, but they are not then removing the option to, you know, switch off fire spread if you don't want to. Um, the telescope is also a controversial one because we already have widely used mods in the Java community that allow for a full zoom of your field of view, whereas the telescope restricts it to a circle in the center. I've actually seen a really interesting retexture of the telescope idea on the Minecraft Reddit, where somebody did what I think is the problem with the telescope as it currently exists for me, and they blurred the black edges of the telescope just using some sort of, you know, Photoshop effect, whatever they, they used it with. But yep. I think that's the problem for me, is that the edges of the telescope look so crisp uh, because they are sort of drawn in that very pixelated Minecraft way. And that just doesn't seem as realistic to me because what you are looking at is something in the distance. And I feel like a blur around the outside, around the vignette, would really kind of help with the immersion of using that for me. Yeah, I'm I'm a solid no on the telescope after yeah. thinking about it on the weekend it's just like having a vignette defeats the purpose of zooming in period people sure. are just going to use optifine or uh logical geek boy has a, a fabric mod that does the exact same thing with actually more features as far as zoom goes yeah i, th I think uh, so there are two use cases for it really one is bedrock edition players who don't have access to mods the way we yep. do in java edition and don't really have a zoom functionality in whatever Agreed. you know add-ons and stuff as far as i'm aware correct me bedrock players if i'm wrong um but also um pirate role play i guess like they didn't they didn't show the telescope being used in third person so we don't know if the player actually like holds it up to use it uh, but I think it'd be kind of fun to have that as an aspect of, you know, players who just want to build a ship, goof around, 
uh, maybe be on a shipwreck holding a telescope. You know, there's there's occasional cases where, especially younger players, will have a lot of fun just kind of putting it up to their right eye and going, yar, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's... For the average player, and for folks like us who are kind of deeper into the survival game, I imagine Optifine Zoom is probably still going to be the main thing. The uh, developers have, for their part, been very open about the fact that they do not want to replace Optifine Zoom, and there shouldn't be any kind of pressure on Optifine to remove the feature. Now a Zoom feature exists potentially in vanilla Minecraft, and that the two have different value propositions. Uh, I'm not entirely certain what value proposition they're talking about with the telescope quite yet, because it seems to do roughly the same level of Zoom Optifine does, but with a slightly more obscured point of view. So I'm kind of waiting to see if they have anything else to share on that front. But it'll I mean, be, uh, do they stack? Like, do you get zoomy zoom if you use the telescope <laughs> and then have Optifine installed and then you're looking up a cow's nose from 400 feet away? Like, exactly. That, that like, could be fun, I guess. I as, don't know. As far as we can tell, there is basically one level of zoom and that is it. But who knows? Maybe they have other stuff planned for it. All we know is that is one of the uses for crystals right now, the other one presumably being decorative, and we don't know if they have anything else planned for those. Uh, we are getting through it. It is, oh boy, we, we don't even have the time, I think, to get into some of the other features and, and the the other sort of extra outside of vanilla Minecraft stuff like Minecraft Dungeons and the addition of Minecraft characters in Super Smash Brothers. I think we'll probably end up covering those in future. There's still a couple more uh, things here that I really want to get to, like bundles. Bundles, I think, are a slightly more confusing feature to some folks than they initially appeared because... They were presented as the solution to the problem of a cluttered inventory. What bundles do is allow players to collect up to 64 different items into a bundle that takes up a single inventory slot, effectively stacking items which wouldn't normally stack together. So instead of it being an expansion to inventory like shulker boxes where you can you know, carry around a larger amount of storage space, bundles effectively let you tidy up all of the loose items that aren't already in stacks of 64 and group them together into an individual thing. So if you just have like three slabs and five stairs left over from a build project, you can tuck all of that stuff into a single bundle. And I think that's quite an interesting and valuable thing. I think it has to come down to how it is implemented though. There are a couple of things here that could potentially make or break whether or not players will use it. Uh, Joel, I know you have some thoughts on this because you've been thinking about the uh, the whole bundle thing and you said some really uh, kind of insightful stuff about it on the stream because you've been working with uh, mods or data packs that do similar stuff to this, right? Yeah, it's a it's a fabric mod called uh, Shulker Box Tooltip. Uh, and it uh, basically when you hover over a shulker box in your inventory and you press shift, it displays the contents of that shulker box if there's something in it. If it's empty, it just says empty. But if there's something in it, it will display the um, the inventory slots that are in that that shulker box and tell you what, what's in it. You can't access them. You can't do anything with them. You have to put the shulker box down just like any other you know way to use the shulker box. But it just makes it so much easier when you're going through your ender chest and you've got four brown shulker boxes. Like I've got a landscape box, a wood box, and a log box. And... Yes, they're labeled, but it's just so much easier to remember where you put your stripped oak, you know, if you have to, if you have it in multiple places. Um, and so uh, in looking at the art, which they said was in progress, I mean, this is, you know, a new thing. Um, and seeing them display the sprites of everything kind of overlapping in a bundle, 
it did not seem like a very easy way to decide what's in that bundle. Do you want to keep it? Do you want to move it? Do you want to put it somewhere? Do you want to empty it? Uh, that to me did not seem very intuitive at all. It has the rollover pop-up, which is nice. Um, but I, I think that they're going to have to do something where you can um, see inside of it clearly and see how much of stuff is in it. Uh, I like the idea that you could put stuff in a bundle or you could grab the bundle and click it around your UI and put stuff in it that way too. So that yeah, seemed it, it kind seems of to fun have and intuitive. Multiple ways it can be used. Um, mm -hmm. I have a couple of interesting questions about this. Mainly, what does it do when objects only stack to 16 or are unstackable themselves? So could you have a bundle of swords, for example, where... You know, right. you, you can put a variety of items in there and maybe much the same way that, you know, you can only fill up a certain amount of, um, you, you, can, you can put multiple things in a hopper, but then the hopper outputs like a higher comparator signal than it does if you just have individual items. Does a bundle fill up faster if you put it, unstackable items in it? So could you then put a bunch of stuff together or is it that the stack size is going to be, you know, comparable to a stack size that would normally exist in your inventory and so a sword would take up the entirety of a bundle and there's no point bundling it to begin with or you can't even bundle unstackable items also can you then do that with items like signs or eggs or ender pearls that only stack to 16 could you then put 64 of them together because i think the main reason they don't want players stacking ender pearls to 64 is for sort of legacy reasons at this point because it seems overpowered and they could spam them too much but there is now a cooldown on ender pearls and then if you put ender pearls in a bundle you're not going to be able to use them until you take them back out of the bundle at which point they take up as much inventory space as they did before so i kind of wonder if the stuff that like the stack size has been nerfed because they didn't want players to be able to use that many items at once can potentially be overruled by the stack size of a bundle allowing you to you know tidy up that ender ender that's just been churning out ender pearls since it was made um my main thing about bundles though and this is i think the thing that's going to turn this from a kind of handy feature into a really useful one is if they can get any kind of automation working with them if they instead of like going through a hopper if a bundle got stuck in a hopper slot and the hopper just drained the contents of the bundle into whatever storage system you have yes 100 mm -hmm. yes that becomes a very valuable feature alternatively if a hopper input to a chest with bundles in it automatically sends items to the bundles instead of the chest inventory also a big yes i feel like that kind of interaction is going to make bundles a very very useful system and if it became workable with a sorting system like people are saying in our discord chat right now totally on board i think that's that's one of the things that I'm really hoping they can manage to do with bundles, and it may be a bit of a programming challenge because that's not how a lot of items work with, uh, you know, interacting with hoppers. You have to place the item, the inventory, whatever it is, underneath the hopper in the world, which bundles would not be. Bundles would be interacting directly with the inventory of something else, but that's what they're designed to do with the player's inventory. So I'm I'm curious to see what they have planned there. So what I think could be a potential uh, like icing on the on the cake to that is have them work similar to composters, where in the opposite of a, of a shulker box that you can't access it in your inventory, you can only access it where it's been placed down. Have the reverse for a bundle. You can access it and put stuff into it in your inventory and take stuff out of it in your inventory. But if you place it on the ground, 
It's just basically a bundle block and it does nothing. You can't interact with it. You can't do anything unless you put it on top of a hopper. Yeah. And if you can get it to the point where a dropper can dispense a bundle and it becomes a block on top of a hopper, a piston then breaks the bundle. That bundle then goes into the hopper as it's empty on, you know, as it's item, then that would make sense too. Uh, I, it, the thing about the bundles that um, I, Dilkin7 pointed out in her chat a little while ago, and that is that they don't solve clutter. They move it. Yeah. And if I'm out mining a bunch of stuff and I fill up a bunch of bundles with dirt and sand and flowers and stuff, and then my inventory fills up with more stuff and I want stuff out of those bundles, I can't do it because I've got no more room. And and the fact that I have to then move stuff into bundles and move stuff out of like it just it becomes problematic. Uh, if, like you said, they don't do what you're saying in that if you put a bundle into a hopper, it should drain the bundle. I agree. Like, I think there has to be a way to kind of like be able to choose because that's the thing they did not show in, in the videos. Like, how do you choose what to pull out of a bundle? Yeah. Like uh, if I've got stone and sticks and dirt and sand and I want the sticks, I want to be able to get the sticks. I don't yeah. want to have to just cycle through and wait for the next thing to come in. Yeah. Um, I was well, speaking with Alistair and I think he said that it looked like it was first, like last in, first out sort of idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that's the impression I got from it. W what we see, I think, is them right clicking on the bundle and then all of the items that they put in there get taken back out again presuming there is space in your inventory they didn't show it with a full inventory so we don't know if mm -hmm. it just takes out what it can or if it takes out everything and those items get tossed out of your inventory because there isn't room um which could potentially be another solution to the problem if you're standing on like a a, a pad of hoppers and then you just mm -hmm. right click on all of your bundles with a full inventory and then that just spits the items out into the hoppers then maybe that's another way of doing that but i don't think it would be very convenient for players to have that when they weren't standing on a pad of hoppers you know so there are there are some more implications there but i think once again this and the next feature we're going to talk about archaeology are the features that have the least refinement to them yet like they've got some very early stage kind of prototypes of how these things are going to work but these are the things that they're really looking for player feedback on how they should operate so i think this is a really valuable time to give some feedback about what you would hope from these features um one of the things I hope for is, with bundles especially, a nice cheap crafting recipe so they aren't just completely obsolete by shulker boxes, and a way to dye them, because then yep. you'd be able to actually, you know, organize them in a certain way in your inventory without having to worry about, like, what's in this, what's in this, and hover over absolutely everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and and or being able to name them on an anvil, that would also be helpful. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. I'm pretty That's sure we'll, we'll be able to name like most items in an anvil, so I think that should be yeah. easy enough, but we'll see. Uh, next up, let's talk about archaeology. Uh, we don't have a huge amount of time left, but I feel like this is... This is the controversial one. The, 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 we've been getting less and less confident in the features as we go, and I almost feel bad for this because Ulraf, the developer, seems to be really enthusiastic about the introduction of this feature. But archaeology introduces dig sites as a new generated structure. Found across the world, dig sites allow artifacts to be unearthed from blocks like dirt and gravel. This is done using a new tool that is simply a brush. The brush has to be used carefully on these blocks or the object contained within the block can break. The demonstration showed the player digging up shards of ancient pottery, but also valuable blocks like emerald or diamond, which may have been placeholders, but we will see. Uh, these ceramic shards can be added to player-crafted clay pots, painting simple designs onto the sides, and then the pots can be fired 
to incorporate the design. There is going to be an upcoming dev diary video on Minecraft's YouTube channel, which will explain the research that went into this feature. And they did say that the programmer art was temporary, so it's the kind of thing that will be refined more over time. But I feel like archaeology is where they lost a lot of people in terms of, like, excitement for these new features. And I think you've probably got a few things to say about this one, Joel. I do, and I'm going to read an email from Dave the Minion, a landscape artist member in our Patreon. Uh, and they said, after watching the SpawnChunks live stream Saturday, I was excited and overwhelmed by all of the new features presented, most of which I am insanely uh, excited for. However, the new addition in 117 felt strange to me, archaeology. Uh, as Joel said on stream, in his opinion, it feels un-Minecrafty, quote-unquote, due to the lack of reward and it being a, a standalone feature without any connection to other mechanics in brackets yet. 100% agree with him, but I thought a bit more about it and it came to the conclusion that it feels strange to me because it's pretty much a description of real life archaeology and it's missing some creative Minecraft fantasy twists. I think the same thing for the lightning rod, which is a set of, uh, of copying existing feature in real life could have been solved with a more magical fantasy or Minecrafty, again, with quotes, approach to it. What are your thoughts on this? Love the show. Keep up the great what connection lost back to the title screen dave the minion <laughs> uh and dave the minion is burger xxl uh, on our discord for people that want to chat with him uh, or uh, uh about this uh the opinion on archaeology i'm with him I, I it is it's not exciting and to me and it doesn't feel like it fits with anything else and I don't remember having the same opinion of shipwrecks when they introduced those and buried treasure. I don't remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I don't remember rolling my eyes and going like, meh, this isn't very fun. I, it's, it's not for me, but I thought, well, that's cool and it makes sense. Whereas this, it, it just doesn't make sense. It feels forced. And like once I get to an archaeological site and I've done it once, chances of me doing it again probably pretty slim like i just i don't understand how they're planning on tying this in and again there might be more to it but everything about it from the i know they were placeholder graphics but what you can do by putting together these pots and creating your own clay pot i why it like it nothing at all seemed to mesh with what I see most people doing in Minecraft and what I'm doing in Minecraft. It just felt like an odd, it felt like a mod. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it really felt like something you'd see in Minecraft education edition to show kids how an archeological dig site might work. Yeah. I kind of agree that it feels like a Minecraft edu feature first and foremost. Um, and I feel like it feels unusual right now in the, for a start, it adds unfamiliar block breaking mechanics. Um, I think a lot of people were confused about the fact that you could kind of shave down the layers of a gravel or dirt block with a brush. From what I understand, that's just the breaking animation for like uncovering whatever artifacts are inside there. It's not a way to create gravel layers or a way to create dirt layers. And if you just left that block alone, it would just break and not give you whatever was in there if you were about to uncover anything, which to me feels like a shame. And if they have the opportunity to maybe use that brush to create dirt or grass layers so that we can create more kind of rolling hills in the same way that we have snow layers to do that, I would be on board. Um, and I and I see that everywhere. And, and I think that's probably underlying the issues. Like you've created this entire system of archaeology and what everyone is talking about is 
gravel layers. Yeah, and I, I right, think, like I think a fundamental thing about it is it doesn't add to any of the real kind of core tenets of Minecraft, which are things like redstone building. I guess it kind of falls under exploration in a way. But I feel like the key categories of Minecraft, it's not a combat experience, it's not a redstone experience, it's not a building experience, except in the way that it allows you to customize these pots right now. And we don't know what else is coming to this feature, it seems like it's still pretty early in the development process, and again, waiting for player feedback on what else could be possible. Um, you know, it, it's it's like if Fortune had the chance to drop gold nuggets from anything, you know, it's it's a, a drop that we can't get any other way than, you know, using one specific tool on a specific type of blocks, which feels kind of strange when in Minecraft, a lot of the time there are multiple ways to acquire certain resources. However, yeah. I have a different perspective on this one because... I still feel like it has the potential for refinement and could end up being, if not a feature that everybody interacts with, then still a pretty valuable feature. And it just comes down to what Minecraft's responsibility is to a newer generation of players. Like when I was younger, I remember being super into the concept of archaeology. There was a program on Channel 4 called Time Team where people would go around the UK and they would have archaeological digs digging up kind of old sites of Roman walls and like, you know, using using like um you know modern technology to visualize what things used to look like back then and that was really interesting it was one of the things that got me interested in history same with stuff like the indiana jones movies where like the hero yes he's kind of meant to be this james bond style like slapdash swashbuckling guy but he's an archaeologist and a professor you know um, and so I'm thinking maybe for a new generation, the inclusion of a feature like this is what gets kids interested in archaeology and history. And I feel like the Minecraft team is at this point feeling the responsibility to do right by younger players and teach them the importance of stewardship over the world. They've already talked about adding endangered animals to the game for the sake of awareness, things like sea turtles and bees and now axolotls. Um, and I think the same is true of encouraging younger players to take an interest in historical preservation. You know, Minecraft now being the best-selling game in the world, I feel like they are, they're kind of feeling the urge to uh, put more stuff like this into the game to show that they are a tool for learning and good and education beyond just what's possible in Minecraft Education Edition with the chemistry sets and stuff that they have in that. Um, I think for everyone else, this is an easy feature to ignore, and it's not going to hurt you that it's in the game. I strongly object to anybody's arguments that this is somehow taking time away from other features when clearly other features are being worked on and Minecraft has a pretty sizable development team at this point. They're hiring more people as well. So there is a lot going on in the Mojang office and I don't think, you know, somebody's time is being wasted on this feature that could be used better in another way. I think... You know, some kids are going to get a real kick out of this. Some adults, if they are archaeologists themselves or just interested in history, might still get a real kick out of this. And if you don't want them, you can just fill a dig site in, in the same way that people steamroll over a village if they're not interested in trading with villagers. You know, I see people run into a village, they just kill everything there, take all of the loot, and then they walk on. And you could do the same thing with the archaeological dig sites if you wanted to, you know? Or you can just craft clay pots. Plain clay pots would probably work really well in, like, a storage room in some sort of desert town or something like you can yeah you can use the stuff like that to your advantage if you want to it's going to be I, an interesting way of, of incorporating those features into minecraft maybe misses the mark right now but we'll see where it goes yeah. i think and an easy way to get 
people more excited about archaeological dig sites would be to include something in it similar to uh, ancient debris, you know, where you get something that's a scrap of a thing. And if you get enough of these scraps, you can start to make blocks that then you can use in other places. Right? I, I would not be like, surprised if they did something with glazed terracotta in this. It feels like one of those perhaps. things, right? Where you're, you're yeah. digging up mosaic pieces and stuff like that. And maybe that leads to slightly more customizable blocks. And that maybe sort of feels like this. It, it, it's funny to see people sort of resistant to what is otherwise customization when people are so keen on making custom blocks and things like chisels and bits and i think it comes yeah. down to the level of manipulation you have over it and the presentation and i think the presentation is probably something that le needs a little bit more refinement in this feature before we can really uh kind of embrace it i think it as, makes as... it it makes me wonder if they just announced it too soon maybe maybe yeah uh, but but i think at this point, announcing it at this stage gives people the chance to show feedback like we're doing, and and kind true. of you know, that's true. Uh, you know, talking about the the way things look and the designs of the the stuff you're putting on these vases and the way everything looks, it could potentially be something that changes rapidly from what we see now to what we see when the update eventually releases. Speaking of that, uh, the release date for this update has not been announced as an official date, but they are talking about the update coming out in summer of 2021. This is mainly to allow for a long period of development, refinement, and feedback from the Minecraft community. So just like we've been saying, you know, the kind of stuff that you're seeing now and you're thinking, mm, I'm not entirely sure about this. This is the time to give constructive feedback. It is valuable to Minecraft to work with the community on this, especially since everybody was so excited for a cave update. So what they said in the stream was absolutely 100% the sentiment I will echo here. They are working with the community on this. They are not trying to add features that you do not want. They are just working with a huge player base and trying to get an update that everybody will feel super excited to play in. So once again, I will encourage everybody to, if you want to give feedback, give feedback. Do it on the Minecraft Suggestions Reddit. Do it on the official Minecraft feedback site. Be as constructive as you can if you don't like a feature don't just say you don't like it tell people how it could be improved tell people what would get you interested in that feature and that's how you're going to end up with something good rather than just saying i don't like it it shouldn't be in minecraft right like there's there's definitely a way to approach it that is going to be better for everybody in the long run and that's one of the reasons why i feel so conflicted about archaeology is that i know at present it's really at the bottom of my list but i can't articulate quite accurately why which is why i'm not being super vocal about it like online and like sure. until i have a way to say how could it could be improved or all that kind of stuff i i like i just i feel guilty not liking it you know what i mean yeah yeah no, i think it's it's the kind of thing that will be looked at over time and i think once we have you know a, a, a few more weeks a few more months down the line once we see another version of this it could look completely different and so i'm 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 just excited to see where all of this goes. But looking back on all of the stuff that we've covered today, which is a lot of stuff, and I know this this episode is running much longer than our usual episodes do, we haven't even covered things like the updates to Minecraft Dungeons. We haven't covered Steve and Alex being added to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. We haven't covered the fact that there is a new novel coming out that's a sequel to Minecraft The Island. Uh, we have a tweet from Mark uh, Mark Watson on Twitter saying that Mojang Studios has four nominations for this year's Golden Joystick Awards. That will be linked in the show notes, so please do check that out. Uh, 
Minecraft is up for best family game for Minecraft Dungeons, uh, Xbox game of the year for Minecraft Dungeons, and then the core Minecraft experience is up for best gaming community and still playing, uh, which I think it richly deserves. So uh, you can probably go and vote. I believe the vote link takes you to gamesradar.com, which is where all of the, the voting is happening for the Golden Joystick Awards. We will probably cover more of these features in depth in future episodes of the spawn chunks this has kind of been the overview even though we've given our thoughts we're probably going to percolate on some of these and would love to get your feedback if you want to email the show via spawnchunkmail at gmail.com that is where you'll be able to get your feedback to us we do have an old email address that was mentioned in earlier episodes of the show we are now ignoring any email that goes to that address so if you want your email to get read on the show if you want us to see it uh, and consider it for inclusion on the show spawnchunkmail at gmail.com but let us know what you think about the Minecraft uh, Caves and Cliffs update. It's going to be really exciting to hear your thoughts. Any closing thoughts, Joel, before we wrap up this episode of the show? I just keep on going back to the cave biomes. I'm really looking forward to seeing what other cave biomes they have in store. Because they said that these were not all of them. They said that these were just some of them. Yes. And uh, in, in light of what they did with the Nether, which is a giant cave, really, uh, and the biomes that they added in the nether. I'm hoping that we see the same sort of imagination, variation, uh, as well as atmospheric and uh, ambience that they added in the nether coming to, um, coming to the cave and, and cliffs update because they did not mention much, but I did hear new ambient noises and new music. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be really, really cool to see how the update develops. I'm with you. I really think uh, having additional cave biomes, because when they announced the nether update, they never mentioned basalt deltas. Those were brand new. There are going to be features that they've got in development right now or are still in the concept stages that they're going to bring to this update. And I think it's it's really going to deliver something that Minecraft has needed an update for for a long time. I'm so glad that we finally get to say the words cave update without any kind of like, you know, scorn or eye rolling or, you know, the community harping on this. We're finally getting it now. So that's really exciting for me. And that's going to wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks. It's been a mammoth episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, consider putting some value back in at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. You can join our community there. That gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. And you can listen to the show live like our wonderful audience has been. It also gets us closer to our next goal, which is having a monthly Minecraft audio hangout where we just chat like this with our Discord audience and see what they've all been up to. We're currently at 208 patrons, which is down a little bit from last week thanks to the uh, new month of October. But special thanks go to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Dilken Seben, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson and Yitz for your support on this episode. I want to give another shout out and thank you to a few of the patrons that I've even noticed over the course of this episode that have been increasing their pledge from a previous level to a higher level, making up for some of the people that have to tighten their belts during the pandemic. Very, very much appreciated. You folks are fantastic. You can spread the word uh, about the podcast by sharing it with your friends. Poke a friend in the arm and say, hey, you should listen to this. It's cool. And then tell them where to find it. You can also find the Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. And a uh, contact email is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Once again, spawnchunkmail 
at gmail.com. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, and leave us a star rating on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite podcast media platform. It's a great way for strangers to discover the show. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com, and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast probably a lot of extra content in the render distance this time around i imagine we'll keep the conversation going after we're done recording here my name is johnny but i online i go by pixel riffs you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixel riffs where i attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the minecraft survival guide i also stream three days a week on twitch doing behind the scenes work for the survival guide series and i'm also the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio and links to other things that I'm doing is at joelduggan.com. You'll find a link to the Citadel Cafe, my podcast all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. And you can find that at thecitadelcafe.com. You can also follow me at joelduggan on social media. And I will, of course, point you towards twitch.tv slash joelduggan, where these days I am enjoying making medieval paths and buildings in Minecraft and cruising the stars in No Man's Sky. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and the caves run deep.